Several years ago, as Ashley and I prepared for our wedding day, I can remember some of the ladies in the family talking about who and how many might be coming to the day's festivities. And I can remember hearing conversations even as the RSVP day came and went about how difficult it was to determine uh, how many might be coming to the uh, reception after the wedding because a number of people had uh, either responded uh, much later or not responded at all to the suggested date. And I remember in light of that having a conversation that we, out of respect for the bride and her family, would always respond in a timely manner. But that is a vow that no doubt we have not lived up to. And this morning we look at a story that Jesus told about a wedding banquet and a number of guests who ignored the invitation to that wedding celebration. But this wasn't just any wedding celebration. This was the wedding of the king's son. You know, some people, because of their position, deserve and demand a certain response. You might ignore Discover or MasterCard when they send you an invitation for the latest and greatest introductory low-rate credit card, or you might ignore Charter's latest triple bundle package, or you might even ignore Kids' Night on Tuesday night at Chick-fil-A, but you don't ignore the invitation of the king. I invite you to look with me again at Matthew chapter 22 as we read about and think about and look about an invitation that a king sent out to his son's wedding banquet and the failure of the invitees to respond in the appropriate way. Just as a way of reminder, I think and hope that, that we all know this by now, but Jesus didn't just tell these stories that often drew a crowd and were interesting in his day and even at times shocking. He didn't just tell these stories to, to bring in a crowd or to entertain or even to, to simply teach truths of God to his audience in his day. Now, these stories are in the timeless word of God that speak to us just as much today as he did in the original setting. As we seek to understand what it is Jesus is communicating about God and about us through His Word and through these stories and then apply them to our own lives to see where they intersect with our lives and our living and our faith as Christians in the world today. So look back with me at this parable in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. 
Just like in other stories that Jesus told, the characters and the actions in this story represent something else, represent something far greater, something far grander according to the ways and the truths of God. And in this particular story, the the one who, who reigns, the king, is clearly representative of the one who rules and who reigns in God's kingdom. And that is God. And interestingly, this particular parable speaks of the son as having a wedding. Inviting others to the great wedding celebration of this particular son, the son of the king. And and scripture also speaks elsewhere of the son of God, Jesus Christ, as a bridegroom. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus referred to himself as the bridegroom. Chapter 25, verse 1, again, referred to himself as the bridegroom. John, in his gospel, in chapter 3, verse 29, spoke of Jesus as the bridegroom. And again, in Revelation Chapter 21, and even Paul spoke of Christ as the bridegroom in Ephesians chapter 5. And we also learn from Scripture that the counterpart to the bridegroom is the bride of Christ. According to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, is the church. All those who have believed in Christ and responded in faith to Christ are part of that wedding celebration that takes place between Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His people, the church. But none of those, according to God's Word, that are a part of that celebration, that are invited to that celebration, that are, that are there at that celebration, are there because they have done something to deserve to be there. Because they've merited an invitation. No, that's not the case. On the contrary, entrance into God's kingdom is only by God's gracious invitation. Entrance into God's kingdom is only by God's gracious invitation. Now, we don't know, we're not told what was the reason that these first invitees in this particular case were invited to this wedding feast, this wedding celebration. We're just told that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Verse 3, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. And when we skip down later in the story in verse 9, we see him sending his servants out again to the street corners to invite anyone and everyone to the banquet. Anyone you find. Simply prerogative of God to invite whomever he chooses to come to, to this celebration, to this feast, to this meal. Only by his grace. No other reason. And in in the world, there is a vast difference between a king and his subjects, or a king and a commoner. No one is necessarily deemed worthy to to associate with or to celebrate with the king simply by nature of his position and his power and his material worth. He is far above a common person. And it's the same thing in God's kingdom except on a much grander scale, on a much greater scale because in God's kingdom, 
king is, is without fault. He's perfect. He's pure. He's eternal in every single way. And, and everyone else is, is with fault. He is sinless and we are sinful. There's this vast gulf between us and him. Between every man, woman, boy, and girl and, and the king in God's kingdom. So it's simply a, a privilege to even associate with that king, much less to, to be invited to a feast with him as an honored guest in his kingdom and to enjoy the celebration with him. We're told here that in this particular case, the king had prepared his dinner. The oxen and the fattened cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Surely, those who ignored the invitation of this king didn't understand what they were doing. They didn't understand what they had been invited to because this is not the select grade steak that you might find on the buffet at Golden Corral. This is prime steak such as you might find at Fleming's Prime Steakhouse over on Summit Boulevard. And that's not a statement about the quality of the former, but a statement about the significance of the latter. Everything is ready. This is the very best. And that day wedding celebrations would go on for days. This was not a one time sit down and enjoy, see you later, you're gone. But in the context here, the, the word that's used for dinner, I have prepared my dinner, according to the NIV and, and most other modern translations. This actually references an earlier meal in the day. This is not an evening meal. This is not the final meal of the day. This is, this is the first meal of the day, perhaps equivalent for us to to breakfast or a large brunch, signaling that more is to come. This is only the start of something phenomenal, of something good, of something you don't want to miss. And in His grace, the King makes sure that those that have been invited know that they've been invited because they've already been invited once, but they refuse to come. And then He sent His servants out to tell them, hey, you've been invited to this. Don't miss this. Everything is ready. You come and enjoy. But notice how they respond in verse 5. They paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. He said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. You know, there are some opportunities that you just don't pass up. Meeting the president. A free vacation. Stopping at Krispy Kreme when the hot light is on. (laughs) 
Some things are just no-brainers. They're just opportunities that you do not want to miss. And refusing the king's invitation to a wedding feast celebration is not only a missed opportunity, it's not only a dumb decision, but it is a great offense to the king. And in the same way, in God's kingdom, refusing God's invitation is a grave offense. Refusing God's invitation is a grave offense. To treat the the grace and the mercy of the king of God's kingdom as no big deal, something to take or to leave, is to treat sin as if it is no big deal. To be unmoved by the gospel of Jesus Christ and to regard the the Savior as unimportant and perhaps irrelevant for us is, is to reject the grace of God and ultimately to reject God. But according to, to God's word, even though we as people have rejected him through sin, pursuing our own interests, our own wants, our own likes, our own impulses, regardless of whether or not it is pleasing to our creator, even though that is our natural proclivity, our natural indication, and as a result, we deserve not the the great wedding celebration of our king. We deserve the judgment of God. But even so, because the character of our creator is one of love and one of grace and one of mercy, we know from, from Scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Even though we pursued our own selfish and proud interests, rejecting our Creator by the way that we live day after day. He has sent His Son into the world on a rescue mission because He loves us. And all those who believe in Him, in His Son, will have eternal life. The imitation is is for all. The general invitation is for all. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. But on the contrary, those who 
reject God's invitation will be held accountable. Those who reject God's invitation will be held accountable. Those who who receive the Son, receive the invitation of God to be guests, honored guests in the presence of God, will be forgiven, will experience salvation, will be restored to right relationship with the Creator. Spending eternity in the glorious presence of God with those who, who do not. Those who reject the invitation. Those who refuse to receive the free gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ will experience the judgment of God. They will be held accountable for their actions. Nevertheless, even so, even in light of so many who fail to believe, who fail to receive, God's kingdom will be filled with many types of guests. His kingdom will be filled with many types of guests. When the first guests refused to receive the invitation of the king, we're told that he sent his servants out to go to the street corners and to invite to the banquet anyone you find. So they went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both bad as well as good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the first invitees, or the first ones that God had specifically called to be a part of His plan, to be His people, generally speaking, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jews, the Israelites, when they, generally speaking, failed to believe in, in the one he had sent, he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and to spread the message, to make disciples of all people. And in the kingdom of God, there will be all types of people. There will be Jews, and there will be Gentiles, and there will be the rich, and there will be the poor. There'll be the middle class, there'll be the tall, there'll be the short, there'll be the privileged, there'll be what we would consider the unprivileged. There will be blacks, there will be whites, there will be Asians, there will be Hispanics, there will be Eastern Europeans, there will be Brazilians, there will be every type of person imaginable in the kingdom of God. His kingdom will be filled with all types of guests. And everyone there will only be there because of the grace of God. Only because He has in His grace, in His mercy, in His love, in in His will, invited us to the wedding supper of the Lamb. To celebrate with Him. To live with Him. To be His people, to be His guests, to enjoy His goodness and His riches and His bounty. But beware, because there's a third type of response that's mentioned in this parable to the invitation of the king. The first type was those that ignored the invitation of the king and went about their own way, their own business. The second type was those that received the invitation and responded appropriately. But look at verses 11 and following as we see this third type of response. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who 
there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Only the final judgment of God, which will begin at the return of Christ, will truly reveal who the honored guests in the kingdom of God are. But these that are mentioned here in the final verses of this parable are those that at least on some level have outwardly responded to the invitation of the king. But they failed to recognize the great grace of the king. By failing to recognize, it don't simply mean that they have failed to in mental assertion of of God's invitation or in cognitive understanding of His invitation, but it has had no real impact on them. It has not changed their heart, and thus they are unprepared and even unfit for His kingdom. And this one that's mentioned here in verses 11 and 12 is one who was invited to the banquet, yet he showed up unprepared. The wrong clothes on, clothes that were not fit for such a celebration, signifying that he, he really didn't realize the significance of what he had been invited to. He didn't understand what what he had been invited to. He was unprepared for, for the wedding celebration because he had failed to, to realize that this was a special offer, a special invitation. He treated it as if it was just more news or just an invitation to something else. But those who have been invited by God, by the King and His kingdom, by His grace to his celebration and appropriately respond, realize that they don't deserve to be there. And as a result, a work of transformation begins to take place in their lives. The truth, according to this parable and according to God's word, is that some who have, been, who have responded to God's invitation have not been transformed by God's grace. Some who have responded, outwardly responded in some fashion or another to God's invitation have not truly been transformed by God's grace. Receiving the grace of God changes you. It affects you. There's no such thing as a New Testament Christian that has not been changed Responding appropriately to the invitation of God to be an honored guest in His presence for all of eternity, unworthy to be there, has an effect on you. It changes you. Transformation reveals salvation. And you begin to bear fruit that is appropriate for a follower of Christ. Your actions change. Your attitude changes. Your affections change. Your desires change. This is a work of the Spirit of God as the Spirit begins to work in the lives of those that have responded, properly responded to the invitation of God. Many 
are invited. But few are chosen. Many hear the call. Many hear the invitation. Many hear the gospel. But comparatively speaking, few respond under the prompting of the Holy Spirit to trust in Christ for salvation and to be transformed by that same Spirit to walk with Christ in a manner that is worthy of that call. An invitation resulting in transformation reveals justification. An invitation resulting in transformation reveals justification. In other words, many hear the message. Many hear the gospel message that the need for salvation and forgiveness because of our shortcomings, because of our sins, because of our failures in the eyes of the eternal, perfect, and holy, and righteous God. But only those that hear that message and respond in belief that results in a transformed life will be there at the return of Christ in the kingdom of God, forever experiencing and enjoying the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. How have we responded? Have we been changed? Scripture teaches that our works are a result of salvation that leads to a changed life, changed affections, changed living. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was Observing the Passover on the night he was betrayed with his disciples. We read in verse 27, then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So how do you know that? that you will drink the fruit of the vine with the Son of God in God's kingdom. Firstly, respond to God's invitation. Respond to God's invitation of salvation and forgiveness of sins through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. Respond by placing your faith in Christ by repenting of sins and turning to Christ for salvation, by trusting in Him to do for you what you cannot do on your own. Respond to God's gracious invitation. You read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 20, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's that exchange that takes place 
and we trust in Christ for salvation and what He has done in our place on our behalf, He takes on our sin and experience the the judgment, the condemnation, the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sin and in return we get the righteousness of Christ. We're credited, imputed with Christ's righteousness and God looks on us as as pure, as faultless, as as fit for His kingdom. Chapter 6, verse 1, as God's co-workers, we urge you, Not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you. And in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Respond to God's invitation. And secondly, desire God's transformation. Desire God's transformation. Because transformation is evidence of a life that is truly trusted in Jesus as Savior and trusted in Jesus as Lord. Desire God to transform you. Salvation is a work of God on the cross. And it is also that same God who works in your life and in my life to conform us more into the image of His Son. Desire God's transformation. An invitation resulting in transformation reveals justification. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your gracious invitation. Lord, we thank you that you have invited all of us to be honored guests in your presence, not only for a meal, but for all of eternity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking the punishment that we deserve and thereby making us right in your eyes by grace through faith in the Son of God. Lord, we do pray that you would work in our lives. Lord, that you would examine our hearts and reveal to each of us today how we have responded to you and your invitation to be one of yours. Lord, we do pray that you would work in our lives by your Spirit to transform us, to confirm us, to assure us that that we are your children. Lord, may we be obedient today and every day as we seek to follow faithfully after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.